You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Do we want to listen to God's word this morning? Um, listen to me waffling on about it. I want to talk to you this morning about signs and certainty. And I want to pick up, as it were, the story of where I was just a couple of weeks ago. The story of Gideon. And in the story that we were looking at, the story of Gideon, we see a situation where the children, where the children of Israel were completely surrounded and they were invaded by their enemies who were described as covering the land like locusts and who had left them starved, destitute and homeless all over the place. And God came and spoke to Gideon and he told Gideon that he was to go and deliver the people of Israel, that he was the guy that God had chosen to do the job. And the point I wanted to make is that very often God calls us because he sees in us more potential than we see in ourselves. Very often when we look in the mirror, we don't see the potentiality that God has put in our lives or put in our souls. And I guarantee you this, the enemy of your soul, the devil, does not want you to see the kingdom potential that is there in your soul. I want to look this morning at what happened following that conversation. But I just want to recap on one thing. When the Lord called Gideon to go and deliver Israel, Gideon asked some very interesting and good questions. He asked some very good questions and he aired what he was thinking. You know, God isn't afraid of our questions. Would anyone say amen? If you come in here this morning and you've got questions about your life, about your faith, about your experience, about even the very existence of God himself, God is not afraid of your questions, and Christians should be the best people to handle questions. Amen? Amen. Here's some of the questions that he raised. He said, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? His first question was circumstantial. He had a circumstantial doubt about the way that God was calling him. He looked at his circumstances and said, if there's a God, if God is real, if he's for us, why is all these things happening to us? His second doubt, if you were, his second question was an evidential question. It was this, where are all the miracles? Where is all the miracles that God is supposed to be able to do? Where are all the miracles to deliver us? Where are all the miracles in my life? You might ask this morning. You may have an evidential question or an evidential doubt in your mind. His third was self-doubt. He doubted himself. This is what he said. How can I rescue Israel? It's not like, how can I do it? How can you call me? And he says, look, I'm the weakest I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the least in my family. My clan is the least in the nation. How can I possibly be the man to do this? So he had self-doubt. And very often when we have doubts and we struggle with doubts and we have these doubts in our minds and our souls, it's very important to put our finger on what they are. Here we see that Gideon had three very clear circumstances. He had his circumstances, he had evidence, and he had self-doubt. You know, there's nothing wrong with doubt. In actual fact, doubt can actually be your friend. You see, very often we think that if Christians have doubt, there's a problem. Or if we're people of faith and we have doubt, it's a problem. I don't believe that that's a problem at all. In actual fact, I would be very worried about someone who has no doubts. Here is this guy, his name is Tim Keller. He's probably one of the foremost writers and speakers on the Christian faith in the world. And here's what he says about doubts. I thought it was prescient. He said, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. If you don't have doubts, you won't be able to fight your battles. 
If you don't have doubts, the next problem that comes will knock you over. The purpose of the doubt is it's an antibody in your system. It's, it's there to fight off the difficulties that you face. It makes you ask questions. It makes you get answers. If you're struggling this morning, first of all, identify what it is that you're struggling with. Second of all, remember this. It is in your life to make you stronger. Would anyone say amen? God wants you to be strong. And you know, in all of this, when we struggle with doubts, it can be hard even, you know, to come with our prayers before God. And in all the dealings that God had with Gideon, not once did he get stuck in him, as we'd say in Cork. Not once did he call him out in his doubts and say, how could you, Gideon? Instead, God spoke to him. And three times, each time Gideon raised the question, God spoke to him. And here's what he said. The first time he said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. When he raised, where's all the miracles? And he goes on to say, I am sending you. Third time the Lord says to him, I will be with you. And this is kind of a recap, but I want to remind you again this morning that God is with you. He is for you and not against you in Jesus' name. He is for you, not against you. And this was what, this is how God dealt with Gideon when he raised his doubts. But then Gideon decides to take it up another notch. And I, I have a lot of sympathy with Gideon in this notch that he, that he ups it in. So there's a bit of dealing between the Lord and with Gideon. And he has a conversation with God and he begins to address. He says, Lord, you've called me to do this. Now I want to be sure that you are with me. I want to be sure that you are with me. And so Gideon begins to speak to the Lord. And this is what he says to him. Then Gideon replied to the Lord, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Lord, would you show me a sign? We think, oh, that's an awful thing. How can you be asking for a sign? Lord, would you show me a sign? I'm just curious. Has anybody in this room ever asked God to show them a sign of something that they felt God wanted them to do. Anybody here? So that's about three quarters of us, maybe more, might might be 80, 90%, and the other 10% aren't telling the truth this morning. But what can I say? Lord, if you're truly going to be with me, show me a sign. And the Lord said to him, no, I won't. Get on with the job. No, that's not what the Lord said to him at all. We pick up the story again. That's in Judges. We're going to pick up the story a few verses later, further on, in Judges chapter 6. It says this, Then Gideon said to God, If you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel, as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will pull a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning and the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And so was born the idea of what has commonly become known in Christian circles as putting a fleece before the Lord. Asking God to confirm his word to us. Asking God to confirm his instruction to us. Asking him, Lord, will you show me a clear sign to show me that I'm on the right road. And he lays down a fleece before the Lord. And here's what happens. It says, and that's just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowlful of water. Now you might go, yeah, whatever you have in yourself, country boy, dew falls upon his fleece, yeah, squeezes out a bowl. There's something actually very significant here about this. There was so much dew fell. In other words, God was so clear in his determination to give Gideon the sign that he was with him that he was able to wring out a whole bowl full of water out of one 
sheep's fleece. And we don't know what size the fleece was, but you know most sheep are kind of about that size. So you got a small fleece. It wasn't a huge camel-sized fleece. It was a regular-sized fleece. And he was able to squeeze a bowl full of God's blessing out of that fleece. A bowl full of the blessing of God. This was God saying, here you go. I am definitely with you. But there's a problem. And that is this. If you left a fleece out in the Middle East, in, overnight in the Middle East, especially in winter, and you left the fleece out overnight, and you got up in the morning and went out, you would expect the desert ground to be dry and the fleece to be wet. That is exactly what you would expect. You'd expect the fleece to be wet. Maybe not as wet as this one was, but you would expect it nonetheless to be wet because it is, it's effectively, it's a fiber, and it retains the fluid, it retains the liquid, it retains the water. Whereas the ground doesn't, it drinks in the water, or else it evaporates very quickly when the sun hits it in the morning. And Gideon then does something different. He says, okay, thank you for that sign, Lord. Any chance of another sign? And you think, Gideon, you really are asking to be struck with lightning here, aren't you? You're really asking for an angel to come and chop off your head or something like that. You really are pushing your luck, Gideon, if that's not the wrong word to use. You really are out on the edge. And then Gideon says to him, he says, Lord, please don't be angry with me. But let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece be dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. Now, I can imagine how this went up, right? So he's got this fantastic sign. Forgive me, I'm taking a bit of creative imagination. Will you be with me? Okay, you will. I'm sure you'll be gracious. So I imagine Gideon's there. He's saying, no, Lord, Lord, thank you for that first sign. But if you wouldn't mind, I'd like another sign. Would that be all right? Because, I mean, you're asking me to do something important here. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd like another sign. This time, Lord, mm -hmm. instead of the fleece being wet, let the ground be wet and the fleece be dry. What would you think of that? And you think God must be going, how dare you? Smack in the mouth for you, Gideon boy. The Lord has already spoken to you three times. He's already given you one sign and you want another one. What is the matter with you, Gideon? And I've read a lot of stories about this. But let, 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 me, let me continue on. I've read a lot, of, a lot of commentators and I've read a lot of Bible studies about this story and you know, Gideon gets a hard time from people who are commenting about how Gideon should have just heard the voice of God and gone and he shouldn't have been so tremulous and he shouldn't have been so uncertain and he shouldn't have been asking for signs and it's a sure sign that Gideon's heart was backslidden and that the nation of Israel were wrong, were in a bad place. But you know something? I'm not so sure about that and I'll tell you why. If Gideon got this one wrong, it was he would pay with his life. And if Gideon got this one wrong, his family would pay with their lives. And if Gideon got this one wrong, his whole clan could be wiped out by the Amalekites who were coming like locusts and waging war against the Israelites. So you'll pardon me for saying this, but if I was Gideon, I'd ask for five or six more signs if my life was on the line. There's nothing wrong with asking for signs if your life is on the line. Ask for a sign if your life is on the line. Ask for a sign if your life is on the line. Life is on the line, then you ask for a sign. You ask for a sign if your life is on the line. That's what I do. And the Lord again doesn't say to him, cheek of you, you bull boy. 
No, he doesn't. Guess what happens? So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered in dew. No, that's miraculous. That's because the fleece which has been out there, the ground all around it is wet, the deserty, rough earth of Judean hillside is all wet, and yet his fleece is dry. Aha! Now he has his sign. And he needed it because there was a lot of stuff riding on whether Gideon had God with him or not. You see, we can all hear things wrong and we can all see things wrong at times. Isn't that right? You know, like, for instance, if you put up a mathematical equation in front of me, I can see it clearly enough, but I haven't got a clue what it means. I'm absolutely useless at maths. Always have been. I can add, subtract, divide, multiply, do the basics. But once you start talking about sine, cos, tan to the power of 2 over 4 minus 4 and pi equals 5, forget it, I'm gone. Just gone. It was like, huh? Sometimes we can see right. Sometimes we can hear right, but sometimes we can hear wrong and see wrong. And so there's nothing at all wrong. Imagine you have an important endeavor or an important question to ask or an important road to go and you're looking for God's uh, counsel on it, looking for God's advice. And you look at the scriptures and you feel like God is speaking to you in a certain manner, but it's a risky manner. Let me just tell you this. If there's no risk, there's no faith. That's what it is. I mean, that's what faith is. If there's no risk, there's no faith. If you're not actually paying some kind of a price, then there's no risk in it. But we'll get to that as well in a few minutes. God did as Gideon said. And he asked, you know, as I was preparing this message this week, I got to this part and the Holy Spirit spoke to me as he did. And he said to me, pay attention to the dew. Pay attention to the dew. Pay attention to the dew. Because when I was looking at this idea of the dew, I began to think, what's it like? You know, we're used to seeing dew in Ireland. We're always seeing dew in Ireland. You go to any field on any cold morning and you'll see lots of dew. We're well used to it. Maybe not so used to it as they're not so used to it out in Israel. But when we see dew, you know what dew is a symbol of? Dew is a symbol of God's favor and God's blessing. All the way through the Old Testament, it is used as a symbol of God's blessing and God's favor and especially of God's refreshment. Could I ask you? Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to pray just, to, just in a moment. Maybe if you're t- I'm, going to, I'm just going to apply as I go this morning. I hope you're okay with that. Just bow your heads. If you're here this morning and you really need to know God's refreshment. It's been such a difficult time, such a tiring time, such a psychologically wearying time. I just want to say prophetically to you this morning that the Lord wants to refresh your mind and your soul today. If that's your reality and your experience, will you raise your hands? I want to just pray for you. Just raise a hand and I'll pray for you. I see your hands all over the place. I can understand it. I can understand it. I want to be sure that I'm here from God right. You can just put your hand down again just for one second. If you're here this morning and you're about to undertake an endeavor and you really need to know God's favor. You need to have a conversation with your boss. You need to have a conversation with your husband or your wife or someone you love or a neighbor. Or you need to know God's favor in a particular endeavor this morning. If that's your reality, would you raise your hand? Can I ask you to raise your hand? And those who ask for refreshing, can I ask you to raise your hands again? I want to pray for the two of you this morning. Mid-sentence, mid-sermon this morning. Lord Jesus Christ. 
I pray today that the dew of heaven itself would fall upon my brothers and sisters today. Would anyone say amen? We pray, Lord, that your refreshing power would rest upon their heads, upon their hands, and upon their hearts, Lord. I pray this morning that by your spirit, Lord, not by any undertaking of human thinking or ingenuity, today, by your Holy Spirit, you would lift up drooping heads and hands in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. I pray, Lord, your refreshing power, your rest, Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest, Lord. I pray you would refresh my brothers and sisters today who need a refilling, a refreshing, a reigniting of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you that you would give favor to those who need favor today, Lord Jesus. I pray for those who have to have a conversation, those who have an interview, those who have an exam, those who have an appointment, those who are facing a difficulty and need your favor. I pray they also today and this coming week will know your favor on their lives in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. I just want to reply as I go. I think it's important. Here's what the scripture says. This is, this is, <clears throat> this is, um, Isaac blessing his son Jacob and he says from the dew of heaven and the riches of earth may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May God bless your life richly because God loves to bless his people. He loves to bless his people. Pray today that the dew of heaven would rest upon your life. Amen. It's a sign. It's a symbol of God's refreshing and fertilizing as it were your life and filling it up. Hallelujah. The thing about signs, however, is that they're a little bit ambiguous, aren't they? So many of the signs in our lives are ambiguous. I remember once when I was a young Christian, I asked for a sign. I can't even remember what it was that I was actually looking for the sign for at the time. That's the plain truth of it. It was probably to ask some girl out or, you know, a job interview or should I go to America? I went to America anyway, but that's another story. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I said, Lord, if when I get up tomorrow morning, that light bulb up there is lighting, then I will know that I should undertake this action. So I got up the following morning remembered my prayer and came down the stairs and there standing before me unbelievably was the light off <laughs> and then I thought what kind of an idiot am I what like an angel's going to come and switch on the light is he is that what's going to happen here is, 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 is that the new thing no Roy that people come and they send the angels to switch on the lights inside in your bedroom and I just felt like such an idiot and I thought, felt like, do you know what I should pray I should read the scriptures. I should get godly wisdom and counsel and take it and listening to it. You see, signs are always that little bit ambiguous, aren't they? I mean, wouldn't it be great if all signs were a bit like this? If you were looking for a sign, this is it. You're driving down, you're driving down the South Ring Road into Cork City Centre and a huge big lit up sign says, do it, says the Lord. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But that, of course, isn't what happens. And so many signs are ambiguous. And the more ambiguous the situation, the more ambiguous the sign becomes. So imagine I decide, actually, I'm thinking of leaving my wife and family and running off with another woman to America. And then I saw a shooting star and I knew it was a sign. And somebody said, wow, that, that, you, you actually got a sign? Yes, I saw a shooting star. How often did you have to wait for it? Nine days before I saw a shooting star. You see, if you're going to go out there on some run of a hack and, and some idea in your head and say, the next shooting star I see, or, or you know, you see, if I meet a man wearing a blue jumper today, I know God is telling me to leave my wife. 
Lads, I'm joking about that, by the way, just in case you're wondering, okay? I'm not, but if anything, she's more likely to leave me, trust me. I knew a girl once who went to, went to a fortune teller. I worked with her, and um, she said, told me she was going to a fortune teller. I said, look, be very careful. They talk a lot of nonsense, and not only that, but God, God won't be there guiding your life through that. If anything, the devil will be guiding your life, and so on and so forth. So I gave all the advice, and the girl rolled her eyes at me and went away. And she went to see the fortune teller and came back. She, I was working with, with, with this particular person, and they came back because uh, they went at lunchtime. And I said, well, how did you get on? Because I had to know, because you, you do have to know. I said, it was amazing. The fortune teller told me I was going to meet a tall, and I finished off the line, dark, handsome stranger. Yeah, yeah. And he was going to make you very rich and very happy. Yeah, how did you know? And then after telling her all these things that were going to happen, she says, I'm going, you're going to know this is going to happen because on your way back to work, you're going to pass a red car. I just want to say for the record, a red car just passed the building outside there. How do I know that? About one in three cars is red, just for the record. You'll meet a man in a blue jumper. Do you know how many blue jumpers, no matter how untasteful they are, do you know how many blue jumpers there are out there? You probably saw Charles in his high-vis blue jacket this morning. It's a sign. I must leave her. No, it isn't. Signs are ambiguous. Worse still is when we go looking for signs that cut against what God wants for us in our lives. That's the most dangerous part of it. You see, there is an ambiguous sign that we're given in the New Testament. Somebody said, I'm going to give a very clear sign. And here's something that he said. He said, Jesus replied, only an evil and adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. And you see, when I read that when I was a young Christian, I thought, oh no, I can't ask for a sign of God's favor because if I do, it means that I am a wicked and adulterous generation. No, you're not. Can I tell you this? If you're in a Christian church on a Sunday morning, worshiping God, fellowshipping with his people, I have a personal piece of advice to you. You are not part of an even and adulterous generation. Would anyone say amen? You are a free person of God. We are not the people that Jesus was referring to when he talked about an evil and adulterous generation. And I've heard this message trotted out so many times by people who thought they were doing Christians good, warning them, don't look for a sign because an evil and adulterous generation look for a sign. But I'll go further. I'll say that, that Jesus actually gave them a totally unambiguous sign. And here's what he said. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And you say, what? And I said, what? When I read it. And then he goes on to say this. For Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and nights. So the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and for three nights. But then he will rise again. And that's the unambiguous sign for the ages that Jesus is who he said he is. He was who he said he was. He was and is and is to come. That's the unambiguous sign we're given in the New Testament. There is no arguing with the sign of the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe your fault, maybe you're here this morning and you're going, I've never heard this before. What are you talking about? Jesus was raised and dead. It is the single outstanding sign of who Jesus was a single outstanding sign the thing about signs is this signs should confirm the scriptures if you're looking for a sign that is telling you to do something opposite to what the scriptures do forget about it you need to know what the scripture says the signs serve 
the scriptures. Would you repeat it with me? The signs serve the scriptures. And maybe you're here this morning and you are looking for a sign. Maybe you're looking at all these mad Christians. I'm one of you too, guys. All these mad Christians with their masks on, singing praise to God. And you're going, I'm not too sure what this is all about. Well, maybe this morning you need to take a risk. Maybe this morning you need to take a step of faith. Maybe this morning you need to take a gamble. The French philosopher, mathematician, and, uh, and uh, polymath really is what he was, a genius and a theologian, uh, Blaise Pascal said this about the gamble of faith. He said this, belief, he said, is a wise wager. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. But if you win, and if the wager of faith that you take is right, you win everything. Hallelujah. Can I encourage you this morning? If you're here and you've come into this room this morning and you're wondering, is this all for real? Take the risk this morning. Take the gamble this morning. And if you're here this morning and you need a sign from God, take courage from the statement made by Alexander McLaren. Alexander McLaren was a Bible commentator. He was a, he was a Christian preacher, lived in Scotland a couple of hundred years ago. And this is what he said about signs specifically. He said, when faith asks for a sign to help, it grasps God's hand. And to go on his warfare and in his strength as his instrument, it does not ask in vain. If what you want to do, if what you need a sign for is in favor of the advancement of God's purposes and God's kingdom, you are not asking in vain. You will get that sign that you are asking for if your eyes and your ears and your heart and your soul are open. Would anyone say amen? But I want to finish up with one last thing about signs. Faith is not certainty. It's not absolute certainty. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen, is what Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says. But it is not certainty and will always involve you putting one foot in front of the other. It will always involve you taking initiative on what it is that you feel God has told you to do and what God has told you to say and what God, the place that God has told you to go. It will always take you to take the first step because it is not certainty. And even with all the signs in the world, you will still need faith. And we'll get to that maybe next week, but you'll still need faith. No matter how many signs you get, you will still need faith. I want to pray for us all just in a few moments that God would infuse us with new faith. Increase our faith, the disciples said. Lord, increase our faith so that we trust you more. But the last sign I want to talk to you about, and this is the last one. Maybe the guys will come up. Maybe the worship band will come up. This is the last thing I want to say this morning about signs. There is one other thing that involves you. And that is, in terms of signs in your life, you are a sign. Would you believe it? You are a sign of God's goodness, of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's generosity, of God's purposes, of God's power, of God's plan, working out in your life, you are a sign to the people around you. Do you believe it? You are a sign. 
What's going on in your life? What you believe, what you say is a sign to others. And you just don't know when that sign is going to become real for someone. And they're going to go, hang on a second. I've seen that person's life. I've seen the struggle that they've gone through. I've seen the trouble that they've had. And yet they're still standing and God is still showing them his goodness and his grace and his blessing and his generosity. You are a sign today. Would anyone say amen? And how do I know that? This is because Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says, God chose the things that this world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. To be a sign to the people who think they are wise. God uses the foolish things. I am one of those fools, by the way, in every sense of the word. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Why did God choose a powerless Gideon? Why did he choose a powerless Paul? Why did he choose a powerless Peter? Why does he choose a powerless you? So that his power can rest upon you and you can be a sign. And your very life itself can be a declaration to those around you of God's goodness. Brothers and sisters, when you go out the door today or when you look in the mirror tonight, just say to yourself, I am a sign. Would anyone say amen? Will you stand with me? We're going to pray and we're going to worship God. Some this week you need to take a step of faith and I know you need to take a step of faith because I know that that's what it's like for Christians and in their lives. And I feel the Lord has spoken to me and said, you know, this week you do need to take a step of faith. What is the step that you're going to take this week? I cannot give you certainty, but I do know this. God is a rewarder of those who work and express their faith. We're going to sing the song. We're going to sing Guardian. We're going to sing a verse in the chorus and then we're going to pray. Guardian. Can I ask you to bow, bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. I just want to give an opportunity to anybody who's in here this morning who hasn't yet taken that step of faith and asked Jesus to be part of their lives. Who haven't yet asked Jesus who rose from the dead on the third day to give you life. Are you this morning willing to take the risk of faith? If you haven't prayed the prayer before to say, Lord, I'm willing to take the risk of faith and invite you into my life. If you're here and you that prayer this morning with, with all eyes closed on the stage and off the stage I'm going to ask you would you raise your hand if that's your prayer this morning see one see two I'm going to pray for that person I'm going to pray for those two people I'm going to pray Lord Jesus Christ I ask you today for those who raise their hands and have said 
I want to take that step and take that risk of faith today. Lord, would you come in and take up residence in their lives? Would anyone say amen? Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them and enlighten them and bring them to life, Lord. May they be born again in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. By the blood of Jesus Christ, may they know your forgiveness. By the power of his resurrection, may they be brought back to life. And by the presence of your Spirit, may they be filled and overflowing from this day and for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name, and God's people say Amen. If you're here this morning and you're about to undertake something and you need God to give you a sign, if that's a prayer that you want to pray this morning, I'm going to ask you, would you raise your hand? If you need a sign this morning, I see your hands around the room. Praise God. If you're here this morning, just keep your hands up for a moment. If you're here this morning, I want to say, Lord, would you increase my faith? Lord, would you increase my expectation of what you can and what you will do in my life. Raise my faith so that I could be used as a sign. If that's your prayer this morning, will you raise your hand? And we're going to pray together. I ask you to raise your hands high before the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord. Your scripture goes out and always does its work, Lord. I pray this morning, Lord, that those who have heard your word this morning would take it in, Lord, and that it would germinate in their hearts, Lord. I pray for those this week, Lord, whose ears and eyes are open for a sign from heaven that God's plan and purpose is with them, that they have understood clearly what it is that you want them to do. Lord, would you speak in any possible way we pray this week? Would anyone say amen? Lord, we pray that you would open all hailing frequencies as they stay in Star Trek, Lord. I pray that you would open all hailing frequencies and speak to your people, Lord Jesus, because they're listening, Lord. You never stop speaking, but may we have the wisdom to listen this week, Lord, to open our eyes and to know you, Lord. I pray that people will come and report this week that God clearly showed them, clearly gave them a sign of the way that they should go and the path that they should take. And we pray this, Lord. We pray for those testimonies in Jesus' name and God's people said, Lord, we pray that you would increase our faith in this coming season, Lord Jesus. Lord, when the world is retreating in fear, I pray, Lord, your people would be a people on the front foot of faith, Lord Jesus. When people's expectations are falling and their courage is failing, may your people be a people of faith, Lord Jesus. And may their faith be a sign to those around them, Lord Jesus, that you are good and your love endures forever. That you are good and you are good all the time. That you are good and that you have a plan for their lives, Lord Jesus. I pray this week, Oh God, that you would fill our hearts and souls with faith. Lord, where others are saying no way, we will say yes way, God way, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray that our faith would rise and that we would be a sign, Lord. Bring us into conversations this week that we didn't expect to have, Lord. Give us an opportunity to testify for you in ways that we didn't expect. Use us, your people, we pray this week in Jesus' name. And a last prayer. Lord, we pray. We pray this week, Lord, that the refreshing dew of heaven would fall upon every household represented here, Lord. We pray, Lord, your generosity would be demonstrated to every man, woman, and child represented in this hall. Upstairs in the atrium, Lord, let the dew of heaven fall upon our brothers and sisters upstairs in the atrium, upon Charles and Mary and the team, Lord, and all of those, Lord, who were gathered upstairs. Let the dew of heaven fall on those who are downstairs in Cafe Church, who are standing in the hallway, and those who gather below stairs in the Courtyard Cafe. May we be a people who declare the goodness 
the grace and the generosity of God. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of His countenance and give you His peace. In Jesus' name of God's people, said a final. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Our band are going to play us out with the song Guardian. You can sing, you can skip, you can dance, you can wave your arms as you go. But I'm encouraging you to go from the front row first, downstairs to our courtyard cafe. Remember, it's table service, so take a seat and somebody will be over to serve you with coffee. God bless you and keep you and go with you. And we'll see you again either at half eleven or next Sunday morning by the grace of God. Over to the band.